Incredible edibles start with Loran. Professional bakery emulsions, super strength flavors, and candy mixes from Loran make it easier than ever to create your own delicious edible experience. Bite Me listeners in the contiguous 48 receive 15% off their order at loranoils.com. Just enter Bite Me 15 at checkout. For listeners outside the 48, email customercare at loranoils.com for a list of distributors and retailers near you and tell them Marge sent you. In this week's episode, we are doing a delicious and healthy, refreshing beef taco salad. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host and certified Ganger Marge, and I love helping cooks make safe and effective edibles at home. I'm so glad you're here, and thank you for joining me today. Welcome back, friends, to another installment of the show. And before we get into this week's recipe, this delicious beef taco salad, I just want to take a second and say thank you. Thank you for listening, for being here each week, for supporting me. All these recipes that I put together, these interviews that I've had the opportunity to do and learn so much from, none of this would be possible without you, the listener. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate you. Now, before we get into that recipe, the cannabis fun fact of the week. Did you know that weed was the first online sale? That's what some people think. So in the early 1970s, when the internet was just a whisper of what it looks like now, obviously it was much different than that it is now can only imagine the size of the computer that this internet thing was running on. I do recall, I'm aging myself here, when we still had dial-up and bolt-on board services. Any of you out there remember those? Ah, those were the days. But in the early 70s, Stanford students bought a bag of weed from students at MIT. And they are saying that this could be the very first online sale. Now, there are, of course, people out there who don't think this is actually true. Now, we're all pretty accustomed now to just going online and buying whatever you want. The world is your oyster. Amazon carries like a billion items in their warehouses and ships to ships it to you within a blink of an eye. But of course, things weren't always like that. And this dates back also to way before smartphones and that kind of thing. And I'm sure some of you may remember those days. Now, of course, I'm not I'm not that old. I don't necessarily remember the days of the 70s internet. But some are arguing that this agreed upon transaction doesn't count as the first internet sale for two reasons. One is that selling pot at the time was highly illegal and the sale itself could be nullified and not counted because you can't technically sell that substance legally. I think that's kind of a, a shitty point myself. I mean... There's still things being sold online today that aren't necessarily legal. So I'm not sure why that doesn't count as the first online sale, even if it was not necessarily a legal substance. But two, they're saying that no money was exchanged or transacted online. So is it really the first online digital sale if they had to find a different way to pay for it? Or if it was more of an agreed upon exchange instead of an actual sale because no money changed hands? I don't know. I still think that a 
the first online sale, like how did somebody pay for that first thing? Did you have to like write a check for the first online sale? Like, I'm not really sure. Some of these, uh, this website that I'm getting this from, which is cannabis.net is saying, so what was the first online digital sale if it wasn't that, that bag of weed? For those who do not support the idea of the small bag of cannabis being the first sale online, Phil Bradenberger's 1994 purchase of Sting's 10 Summoner's Tales CD was the first real internet sale involving an exchange of monetary funds. And the sale took place on a site called Net Market. It cost him about $12.48 to buy the CD and no word yet if free shipping was included or if the album was enjoyed by that person. I find that pretty interesting because that's suggesting that the first online sale really didn't happen until over 20 years later, depending on when it happened initially in the 70s. And so it was took quite a bit of computing progress to make online sales even possible. So I really wonder what it looked like. But I don't know. I still like to think that the first sort of digital transaction that happened, even if no money was changing hand and it was at the time an illegal substance, I think weed still counts. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think the first online sale was the weed or was it this this uh, album, this CD, compact disc, for those of you who are unfamiliar with that term? It's so interesting. I used to have so many CDs, a huge collection, and now I don't even own a CD player. And that, I guess, is also 20 years later. I'm really dating myself once again. That is kind of an interesting fun fact. And moving on, I am doing a beef taco salad this week that I'm pretty excited about. I made this a little while ago, and it's definitely one that's going to be returning into my repertoire because it was delicious. And it's a bit of an homage because I have a trip to Mexico coming up that I'm super excited about. It's been pretty cold and snowy here where I am in Canada. The weather's been a little interesting this winter, this year as it has made, been maybe for a few years, actually, because we'll get these cold snaps. As I record this today, it's a bright, sunny day, but it's about minus 15 degrees out. So it's pretty chilly. And yet last week, I think we had some very mild, well, if you can consider it mild, around, you know, zero degrees, one degrees, and it's like rainy and and damp and slushy. I don't know what's worse. Frankly, sometimes I think I prefer the sun, obviously, because we so see so little of it this time of year. I prefer the sun and a little bit of the, a little bit. For some people, I know minus 15 degrees sounds awfully cold, and it is, but you can dress for that. I would prefer the cold and the sun than the damp and the slush, personally. But needless to say, the weather has been wintry. I've been looking at the weather and where we're going in Mexico, and it is going to be so beautiful sunshine and heat. And oh, do I miss the heat? I really do. So this beef taco salad is one one way for me to get excited for this trip because one of the reasons you go to Mexico is for the food. Am I, am I wrong about that? I mean, there's going, I can just, oh, tacos, like real tacos, not just taco salad. Now, the one thing I did like about this particular recipe, it is a whole 30 recipe. So if you're following a fairly strict diet in the new year, because you're trying to rein things in or, or perhaps feel healthier then the whole 30 is an interesting diet to follow. Now, if you're not familiar 
The reason I did it myself, I've done it before. Have I mentioned this in other episodes recently? I can't even remember, but I've been following it because it really helps me to rein in my sweet tooth because you don't eat any sugar on this diet, like not even artificial sweeteners. You can do fruit and dates, but there's no artificial sweeteners, no added sugar of any kind. So if something has like honey in it, then you're going to forget that as well. And I find that sometimes these extreme measures are what is what's necessary for me to get that sweet tooth handled. There's also no carbs, no dairy, no soy, no legumes, no alcohol. And the reason the the reason for this or the concept behind the whole 30 diet is that you eliminate the food groups that are very commonly known to cause people issues, like whether it's inflammation in the body or just feeling sluggish or not as healthy or as vivacious as you could be. And then after a month, because the idea is that it takes a couple weeks for your body to sort of eliminate these particular items and then start to feel better, after a month, you slowly reintroduce them. And you reintroduce them one at a time. And you're like, ooh, you know what? Like if this wheat really makes me feel like it gives me brain fog. Or when I reintroduce soy, I feel achy in my joints. Or like that's sort of the concept behind it. You reintroduce things one at a time, see how you feel, and then you move from there. Maybe for you, it's dairy. Obviously, dairy causes so many people digestive upset. And you have a little bit after that month and you're like, ooh, that really doesn't make me feel good. And so you can make decisions on your diet moving forward based on some pretty... Uh, pretty solid evidence of how you're feeling. And I've done this a few times before. Of course, I don't really have too many problems with uh, most of these, most of these food groups, but it really does help with the sugar for me. And sometimes I work really well with an all or nothing approach when it comes to this kind of eating. If I'm just like, oh, well, you know, I'll just have a little bit here or there. Then next thing you know, I'm just like throwing it all out the window. So anyway, the nice thing about this particular Whole30 approach is that you can find the rules and sort of the guidelines all online and that's freely available. But I did happen to have this Whole30 slow cooker cookbook. And I think it was my sister's. She may have bought it at one point or picked it up and then gifted it to me because she found, you know, as one does often have too many cookbooks in the collection, you're not using them. So you repurpose them to somebody who may find it handy. And this one was from that. I will say you can follow this particular recipe exactly as it's written, but you could also be like, you know what? I want to throw some beans on there, or I want that sour cream, or I want the tortilla to wrap this taco in, or whatever the case might be. You can choose because you are taking control of your high life. And that is that is the whole point of doing that is doing what you want when you want. Mix it up however you feel is going to serve you best. And I have to say, I have been doing this for a bit now and my sweet tooth has been really reined in significantly. And that's really the whole point of why I was doing this. So I'll link to the whole 30 in the, in the show notes. It, it can be useful for a lot of different purposes and Now, the nice thing about this particular one, if you do it as is, it's pretty simple. You don't need a lot of, you don't need a lot of stuff. It's essentially ground beef. Now this, like I said, it is a slow cooker cookbook, but you can easily do this one without a slow cooker because you're just going to want to, anyway, I'll get into that in a second, but you're going to need your lean ground beef, some onions, cloves, or so not cloves, garlic, uh, it does call for Anaheim chili peppers. I actually didn't have any of those on hand and I used something else. I actually had Anna, dried Anaheim chili powder that I had made myself from dehydrated Anaheim chilies that I had gotten at the farmer's market. Um, 
and I tried to make my own powder. So I use that in lieu of, you need a bunch of spices. And if you're cooking a lot, any kind of Mexican food or anything like that, you probably have them on hand. Of course, you can mix it up however you like. And that's what you need for the cooking. So essentially, you're going to cook the beef, the onion, the garlic, and you're going to mix it up until the beef is cooked, no longer pink. And then you add a bunch of the spices. If you're doing it in a slow cooker, you're going to cook that for a couple of hours. Obviously, if you don't have a slow cooker, you don't want to worry about getting that out, then you can just do it in a pan on the stove just as easily. Once you're done with cooking that beef, and this is why this comes together so quickly, you could stick it in the, in the slow cooker and let these things melt together for a couple hours if you wish, or you can just do it on the stove if you're short on time. And then you take that meat with all the spices in it, and you're going to put it on top of a bed of romaine or head lettuce that you've chopped up. You add that nice layer of beef And then you add your green onions, some diced tomatoes, some jalapenos, nicely sliced, some salsa, fresh cilantro, and the lime. And if you have all those items, it really does create a flavorful dish that you're going to enjoy. And of course, the lime, when you squeeze that on top, the fresh lime, that is is fantastic. Now, of course, this is where you can also choose to add any of the extra ingredients that you want to, but you're probably saying, Marge, but when do I infuse this? And again, because I am often infusing foods that um, I'm going to be enjoying, but not everybody else wants, what I did was I infused the salsa. And I just took, I usually, when I'm looking at buying salsas, I do try and find some healthy ones that maybe has olive oil as the fat in it and not other oils. So, or added sugar. Sometimes you'd be surprised at what they do add sugar into when you start reading those labels. But the salsa that you take out, it does call for... I think I used almost a jar of of salsa on this particular dish, but you're going to dish out your salsa. But when you go to serve your own dish, you're going to stir in some of your infused olive oil into that salsa and then drizzle on top of your of your beef taco salad. And that's the easiest way to infuse it. I would think it's super simple. And again, a lot of these, I mean, I guess it would work if they had other oils in the salsa as well, but yeah, just stir it in to your preference. And then if, that way you know exactly what's going into it. Because if you do stir in a bunch into a full jar of of salsa, then you kind of have to like make sure that it's easily stirred and distributed. And then somebody might get a little bit more and somebody might get a little bit less. And then you can see how that gets kind of complicated. So that's how I would do it. It was delicious. So if you need a quick and simple weeknight weeknight dinner that you can whip up really quickly and modify as you see fit, this is one for you. And again, you can infuse it so that you can get yourself high or everybody at the table. It really is up to you. You've got choices here and I love having choices. One of the things, of course, I was thinking about Mexican food because I am going to Mexico very soon and I'm so looking forward to it. And I just wanted to mention that one of the things I love to do when I go to a new place is book a food tour. And I've done this a bunch of times in different places that I've been. And I was in Mexico last year, actually, I did the same thing, 100% worth it. And you can find these food tours on places like Airbnb or look them up online locally as well. I'm not even sure if High B&B would have some food tours or something. If you haven't heard of High B&B, that is the cannabis-friendly alternative to, to Airbnb, where all the lodgings, events, accommodations are geared towards the cannabis-friendly. 
don't know if they have any in Mexico yet, but they do have different listings around the world. I did a podcast episode with Elizabeth not that long ago, and I will link to that in the show notes, because if you're looking for events or any kind of cannabis-friendly accommodations, it's definitely worth checking out. But on an, a website like Airbnb, they have experiences, and you can find wherever you're going to experiences and just look up food tours and they have all kinds. And I love doing something like that. So I've done them in a place like Shanghai. I was in Shanghai a bunch of years ago. And that was what first gave me the idea because I was alone in Shanghai for, it's a, that's a long story, but I was alone in Shanghai for two weeks and it was a little isolating in some ways, a huge culture shock. And there wasn't a lot of English spoken there. Now I did meet some very interesting people and my Airbnb host at the time was phenomenal and really helped me feel a little more comfortable. But I booked this food tour because like I need something to do. I want to meet some other people and these tours are often run by people who are very familiar with the culture if not from the place that you're 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 in and we went to all kinds of little hole in the wall places that I would never have attempted to navigate on my own not speaking the language I have all, there'll be less of a problem with that in Mexico because there's, you know, enough English spoken that you can often make do and I can speak a spattering of Spanish or smattering of Spanish but I honestly, really don't know any Chinese. We went to all these places and tried all this incredible food, again, that afterwards gave me confidence to go back to some of these local places that I would never have tried otherwise. And a lot of the times the places where the local go, locals go, as you know, is so much less expensive as well and really great quality food. So I have already booked a taco tour for Mexico for when we're there. That's literally the only tour I've booked at the moment because it'll be the first night and that'll give us a lay of the land and what's good and where to go. And so we can have some incredible eats while we're gone. That is my recommendation of the day. Try this taco salad. I think you'll love it. And then the next time you go somewhere, think about booking a food tour. It doesn't have to be through Airbnb. I'm sure you can find them on TripAdvisor or any of these other big sites or just look up something local and see what you find because there's a lot of these tours too run run and operated by local business owners and I'd love to support those ones as well. And a lot of the times they these local business owners do post their their tours on sites like Airbnb or TripAdvisor or what have you. So it's a great way to support the local economy while eating incredible food. And these tours often aren't short. I think the last taco tour I did was about three hours long. And you're eating at like all these different little places and you're pretty full by the time you're done. So not only have you had a great experience, you've met fellow travelers you're talking to and you're talking to and experiencing the food of the local culture. It's just such a great way to discover the food of a place that you're visiting. So especially because even though I did a dry January, I don't really drink that much anymore. It's sort of a a conscious thing I've decided to do lately and who really needs it. I've got edibles and cannabis to really keep me going. And I'll probably have a margarita or two while I'm in Mexico because when in Rome, as they say, but I would rather focus on the food than the booze myself. That's just me. We all have our different travel styles. So in any case, my friends, I hope you give this one a try. I have a lot of fun things coming up for you guys as well that I'm really excited about. So please stay tuned for that. There is... Oh, I think I'll just leave it at that. I have some things that I'm excited about. And if you want to reach out to me about anything at all, by all means, you know where to find me. Actually, I have a new email if you want to try that out. Stay high at bitemepodcast.com or you can always reach me at the old one that I think is probably still listed in the bottom of the, your show notes or 
your uh, podcast player that you're listening to on this episode right now. But give it a try. I would love to hear what you think. And until next week, my friends, stay high.